Connell Tribune, Thursday, the 1st of February, 2018. Jerry Adams, a Bella Murphy man of our times. A man you don't meet every day, the words of an old traditional Scottish ballad with an Irish input and made popular in the modern era by the Pogues, could well be an epithet conferred on the iconic personage of the TD for Louth and formerly West Belfast. At last week's Sinn Féin presidential ordination, we said hello Mary Lou, and indeed Michelle too, and the beginning of the end of the most controversial political career on these islands since Parnell wooed Kitty O'Shea. Of course it's been flagged up by the bearded one himself last year, but at the same time insisting that Ballymurphy Republicans don't do retirement. In the local vernacular he hasn't gone away, you know. The distinguished academic Dermot Ferder, writing recently in the Irish Times, paraphrased the cliché, all political careers end in failure. Jerry Adams ended in irony. Ferder's an astute academic. He challenges and dissects facts, examines primary and secondary sources with a fine tooth comb, as all good resources should, and was a massive contributor to the 1916 commemorations. His input was positive and thought-provoking. But you know, his assertion that there's a final irony to the end game for Adams is a strange observation to say the least, although probably in comparison to other obituaries it's relatively kind in description and demeanour. Jerry Adams is a household name, recognised around the world in Palestine, South Africa, Cuba, Catalonia, as well as Downing Street and the White House. The Ballymurphy Republican is as comfortable sipping tea in Martha's Vineyard with the most powerful people on the planet as he is hitting a slitter amidst young hurlers in Gordon Amona GA Club in Turf Lodge or making tea and scones for the Pensioners Monday Club in the Sleeve Do just across the White Rock on his native Ballymurphy. What Ferder doesn't get is that the political career pursued by Adams is totally different from that which a career politico embarks on. Some are born into that lifestyle, especially in Ireland. Despite independence, we inherited the British political system lock, stock and barrel. Cronyism, clientelism, couture politics, an odd and a wink, family dynasties. The absolute worst of politics to keep a class in power and create power and wealth for those elected. It's no coincidence that the Milford Inn and the Golden Grill once personified the political powerhouses in Donegal. A situation, of course, replicated right across the 26 counties. Independence created an elite that would put some fledging African republics post-colonialism to shame. Politics should be about helping the people to share in the wealth of a fair and equal republic, not to line the pockets of those already wealthy or as a vehicle to untold wealth by opportunists and careerist politicians. Of course, there are many genuine people in politics, but as Parnell once famously said after entering Westminster, a month in there would corrupt any Irishman. Most political careers take a familiar and well-worn path. Family connections, indeed for a long time the side your family took in the Civil War, was your inescapable destiny in life. Pro professional inputs are given. In the present Doyle we have 30 teachers, principals, third level academics, 15 from the farming sector, 17 bar seven barristers and solicitors, 15 in the previous Doyle, and three doctors including our Taoiseach. 
It's an eclectic mix and while it's great to have experts in different areas having an input to cabinet, it appears for many it's an extension of their personal business-like portfolio, another string to their bow as they say. I've not been critical in any way of anyone who engages in public service, but when we look at the cohort of politicos it's hard not to conclude there's a big elephant of me feanism involved. The Tony Gregories of this world are few and far between. Jerry's route to politics takes an entirely different way than any other TD in the hallowed corridors of the Doyle. A teenager in the changing times of the 60s, living in Bella Murphy, one of the first estates built in the shadow of the Black Mountain to cater for the burgeoning nationalist population of the Falls after World War II. It was already attaining unfavourable press pre-conflict from the unionist media that looked on Bella Murphy akin to a Native American res reservation. High unemployment, access to university virtually non-existent, health and social issues, any jobs were in construction, bus, taxi and lorry driving or the bar trade. These were the domain of niceness, no building big ships or careers in engineering for the West. But there was a community and a spirit that never extinguished throughout everything. Poverty, deprivation, discrimination, foreign troops in the streets for 30 years of conflict. If anywhere personified refusal to keep the head down up his belly, Murphy. Jerry is from that community that keeps him grounded. No champagne socialist here or Galway tent merchant. If he was ever tempted, he would soon know about it the next time he walked up the White Dog or Damas in Corpus Christi. Catch yourself on, big man would be a meg local interpretation of anyone embracing newfound errors and graces. Our paths have crossed at various times in the past six decades. We actually both passed the infamous 11 plus exam and went to St Mary's at the bottom of the falls. I'll bet he was several years ahead of me. In fact, we were probably St Mary's alumni, as well as Belfast bartenders alumni and in later years alumni from the University of Longcash. I first met him at Achille in the old Fennel clubs. His dad had been instrumental with other ex-Fennels in founding after their extracurricular activities in the failed 1950s campaign. In 1969, it was a fairly dilapidated building down a lane beside Milltown Cemetery. I also always thought it was taken from the cradle to the grave a bit seriously. Anyone familiar with a modern Fennels club not a stone's throw away could not be impressed as it virtually personifies the power and strength of republicanism rising Phoenix Lake from the ashes of 69. And just yards away the graves of Bobby Sands, Kieran Doherty and Joe MacDonald. While it's a relic of the past, the heavily fortified Andersonstown RUC barracks has been levelled to the ground. As Bob Dillon wonderfully put it, times they are a-changing. We met again the night of the Falls curfew, just escaping the encroaching web of British democracy as a whole community was imprisoned for three days. The wisdom and foresight of the future TD was valuable as always. To quote, there would be more prudent times in the future. Unfortunately, the next few times our paths crossed, the choice of location wasn't intended. The present ship HMS Maidstone was docked in Belfast Lock in 71 a rather less exotic location than Algiers where it spent life avoiding German U-boats during World War II. The Maidstone was, no, was no luxury cruiser, so familiar visiting our shores in 2017. We shared our nautical location, 300 of us, 
all non-sailors with 700 marines who probably thought they were in the Falklands and Malvinas, sunbathing on deck by day, planning to leave by night and not by the gangplank, the suffocating existence below deck giving insight to the plight of her diaspora who crossed the pond and coffin ships in time gone by. In early January 72, seven of her crew tore up Brian Faulkner, the Prime Minister's personal letter of welcome. You're considered a threat to the state and as such and turned under Her Majesty's pleasure or words to that effect, signed Brian Faulkner, PM, a future field equestrian exponent. Threat to the state, we were 17 for fuck's sake. More a threat to family tranquility as teenage rage kicked in. The seven who escaped slid down the ropes naked, covered in boot polish to keep warm in the January frost, swam across Belfast Lock and hijacked a bus to freedom. The poor bus driver in Puritan Belfast, shocked by seven naked men on his bus rather than escape terrorists. Tommy Toddler, Tolan, Jim Bryson and Tucker Keane swam to freedom that night but were dead within a few years. The reality of life in those thankfully long gone days of conflict. God, they were exotic times. We were way ahead of the posse. Cruise ships and next helicopter rides sure you couldn't beat it at the Galway races. The only problem, we were handcuffed and the door open with a mad para dangling his feet over the edge as we swiftly swapped accommodation from a floating paradise to a hastily revamped World War II RAF camp outside Lisburn, a place which would soon personify the conflict, Long Cage. The cages and later the H-blocks would become home for 15,000 Republicans and up to 10,000 Loyalists over the following quarter of a century, a generation of lost youth. At the as the times moved quickly, more happened in a week then than in a year since the GFA. Before we had time to settle in our new surroundings, the first results of civil disobedience and armed struggle claimed a major victory. Storm and the iconic image of a Protestant state for a Protestant people, a British partition solution which divided our country and people for 50 years was gone and Brian Faulkner with it. The future MP and TD, Jerry Adams, would play a pivotal role in events. Released once again to enjoy a helicopter spin to Cheney Walk in Chelsea, to hold the first direct negotiations between the Republican leadership and the British government since Lord George. Collins and Lady Lavery shared a cognac before signing the ill-fated treaty in 1921. As for the foot soldiers, I use the term in a pejorative manner. We returned to short-lived freedom in dribs and drabs. The hills of Donegal a welcome sight, but this wasn't 1921, and it was soon back to war. Operation Motorman and the ending of no-go areas for the British Army led to massive attrition rates. The cages began to fill up again as the average lifespan for a volunteer in Belfast was three months in 72. There had to be better career opportunities, although to be fair, our adversaries didn't fare much better. The cages in Long Cash had an eclectic mix of Northern Nationalist youth and indeed many from the Republic. The Fran Gok of its time, it has become symbolic with the conflict. Damn Barbara. But damned barbed wire getting higher and higher, as Phil Coulter observed. Watchtowers, armed guards, miles and miles of corrugated iron and wire, 22 cages, classic concentration camp scenario, making Colditz appear a holiday camp. A Republican propagandist, Pierrot's dream, 
and a British nightmare at the end of the 20th century in a modern democracy within the European family. The cages were also a place of great creative activity. The Rory Marleys of this world exercise the mind by figuring out how to get out of the place, under, over, through the wire, but definitely not the front gate. For many, their creative skills give vent to artistic skills from which blossomed a cottage industry of harps, Celtic crosses, indeed little white Donegal-style cottages. For others, education took precedent and became a politicisation process which analysed why we were there in the first place. The input from Mao, Marx, Connolly, Fannin, Mellows et al. were critical to our understanding of society. Jerry Adams, while a firm advocate of the value of education, also embraced the Larry Marley School of Thought and with Blue Kelly decided a blanket fog one night to facilitate early release. But while Blue's sat-nav was set for Kerry Kill and provided positive results, Big Jerry was destined for Cage 17, just across from our domicile in 18. The rest, of course, is history. The Cage 17 think tank provided the foundations for the long war. The ballot box and armalite strategy embracing constitution nationalism with physical force republicanism and eventually the Good Friday Agreement and the peace process. So the crux of this is that those who continually attack the outgoing Sinn Féin president would maybe need a walk, a mile in his shoes before engaged and mouth before brain. Life can be nature or nurture. Environment creates a person. Most politicians lead a nice life, generally not of Ballymun extraction. Third level expected and guaranteed professionals as a former term and priest, Father Jaggy once observed, not to be sniffed at Paddy. Father Murphy created the man Jerry Adams became. He's a product of his environment. His politics, community-based, not careerist. His little idiosyncrasies late in life with his ducks, tree-hogging, and recently embracing Snapchat, show a gentler image than the Dublin 4 media-induced caricature most would recognise. As far as Jeremy Ferrer finding irony rather than failure in a long winding life, I'd suggest the irony is that he survived thus far, left eight British PMs, American presidents and Tishi in a slipstream and a UDA death squad with RUC acquiescence to boot. The real irony is that despite every imaginable attack on his character, he remains that indefatigable object of defence, an unrepentant Fenian bastard. <laughs>